My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Sakura Saunders and Greg McDougall. The land that currently gets called Canada is big. One of the things that this means is that if you happen to be struggling, say, for climate justice or against colonization or against gendered violence, and you live in, for example, New Brunswick, you're not going to have much opportunity to meet people doing the same work who live in, say, Red Deer or Hamilton or Vancouver. And as for a chance to meet and learn from and talk with folks involved in all sorts of different struggles across Canada, Quebec, and Indigenous nations, well, that just never happens. Until, that is, now. From August 21st to 24th, just such a gathering will be happening in Ottawa, the People's Social Forum. The finishing touches are still being put on the plans for the event, but it looks impressive. The planning process has spanned three years. There will be more than 500 workshops, amazing keynote events, lots of artistic and cultural stuff, and movement assemblies, which will be opportunities for strategizing among people involved in the same struggles in different places. Attendance is expected to number well into the thousands. The vision for the event depends heavily on self-organization by the participants, so what comes out of it will depend on what those of us who show up put into it. But hopes are running high that it won't just be a chance to meet and talk, but a chance to start things. Saunders has a long history of working on mining justice issues as well as with alternative media, and she is heavily involved in the central layer of organizing for the forum. And McDougall has been involved in Indigenous solidarity, education, and alternative media work over the years, and his role in prepping for the forum has mostly been as a central organizer in one of the 15 movement assemblies that will be happening there. In his case, it's the Alternative Media Movement Assembly. And I should add that I too have been involved in preparing for the Alternative Media Movement Assembly, though in a much more limited way than McDougall. I speak with them about their respective roles in building towards the social forum, about what they expect from the event itself, and about the social forum process as a whole. I spoke with Saunders and McDougall by Skype to phone from Ottawa. My name is Sakura Saunders, and I've been working as a coordinator on a volunteer basis with the People's Social Forum. I have a long history of working on mining justice campaigns and also with the media. My name is Greg McDougall, and I do freelance media making, both writing and video and some other stuff. And I'm also involved with IPSO, the Indigenous People's Solidarity Movement of Ottawa. And I have a background in education and yeah, a long history of organizing media. The People's Social Forum is going to be a massive convergence of social justice forces in Canada. It's called the People's Social Forum, of course, because many people within these colonial boundaries don't identify as Canadians or identify this landmass as Canada. It's the first time it's going to be done on this level, involving all people within Canada. It comes from a long tradition of the World Social Forum, which started in Porto Alegre, Brazil. We're expecting anywhere from six to 10,000 people. There's going to be over 500 workshops, over 15 different movement assemblies, a powwow, 
many arts and cultural events. And so it's going to be kind of a smorgasbord of social justice events and gatherings. Something I've heard it framed as by some of the organizers or the uh, initiators of it is it's not just a gathering. It's kind of like a starting point and a place to really start to bring people together to build something that goes on from this gathering. It's kind of a special moment that this event can even exist. I talked to um, Judy Rebick, who apparently had tried to get a Canada, Quebec, First Nations social forum started years ago, and it ended up flopping. I mean, it couldn't even happen because of difficulties of trying to bring together on an equal platform those three groups. And I think now that, like, with I Don't Know More and the student movement and the fact that this is largely being initiated by folks in Quebec, the People's Social Forum is possible. It's possible for us to all work together and co-create this huge gathering. I'm not exactly sure if it was one entity or not that started it, but I do know that the initiation of the forum, which has been almost a three-year process at this point, started with two general assemblies. One of these assemblies happened in Ottawa, the first one, and then the second one happened in Edmonton and brought together over 150 organizations that were picked for the breadth for the diversity that they represented as well to make this initial commitment to do a social forum, to all agree that one was needed, to all agree exactly where the forum would be held and on what time frame. And, and you know, kind of answering these fairly simple questions but also forming a basis of unity. We have a charter where we've adopted political principles as points of unity during those two meetings and gave an opportunity for the various caucuses, including, you know, like the People of Color Caucus or the Original People's Caucus, to meet and put forward what they needed in order to move forward with this process. And so just one example is that the Original People's Caucus came together and decided that for them to move forward with this process, they wanted to hire one of the three core coordinators. And then that person that they hired would take part in the hiring of all the other two coordinators. And so that's just one example of the kind of political agreements that were made in order to move forward with the process. One of the first tasks was setting up expansion committees in every major city in Canada that had to do a lot of, you know, using our existing network and advertising through a central listserv that we've been developing to spread the word and hold meetings in all of these cities, giving ongoing support to these expansion committees. And really, those are the local organizing hubs that are going to mobilize people, the buses, et cetera, to get to the forum. There's also work on all these other levels in terms of we have a national setup where we have caucuses. So I already explained we have the Original People's Caucus, the People of Color Caucus, Women's Caucus, Disabilities Caucus, Quebec Caucus, and Labor Caucus. And we also have committees. We have the Arts and Culture Committee, the Communications Committee, Mobilization Committee, which includes caravans, Finance Committee, and, you know, all these other aspects of the forum. So, I mean, we had to secure venues. We had to create these collectives, some of which were in existence before the three coordinators were hired. and secure all the things needed, programming, speakers, getting the word out for the workshops. But luckily, the World Social Forum, which inspired the People's Social Forum, both are organizational models that rely on self-organization. And so the idea there is that we created 17 themes, which was a big task, and kind of a description of those themes. But then we openly 
ask people to apply for workshops under those themes, where the people that are applying for these workshops, they get complete control, really, of their workshop space. And as facilitators, we're providing the space. In some cases, we're providing AV or maybe interpretation services as well. And they can organize that themselves. And so that actually makes it a lot easier for our group to organize this event because so much of the responsibility of programming is distributed. And tell me about the plan for the event itself. On the first day, which is Thursday, we're going to be having multiple workshop slots, followed by a keynote by Naomi Klein and then a huge march on the hill. And the march is going to be this very symbolic but also celebratory event where there's going to be three points where people are gathering, one on the Quebec side, one on the Ottawa side of Human Rights Memorial, and then one where the Native people are going to meet on Victoria Island. And the idea is, is that we're going to have these three separate rallying points. People will have speeches there and, you know, its own rally. But then we're going to march and join up on Victoria Island where the Native people are going to take the lead and lead us on to Parliament Hill where we'll have the massive Everyone Together assembly. Now, the second day, we're going to continue with the workshops, just like we did on Thursday morning. Something like 50 to 60 simultaneous workshops will be held. And then Saturday, there'll be a few workshops, but the main focus on Saturday will be the movement assemblies, which are these opportunities to gather all the people on all the workshops within a certain theme. So the alternative media movement assembly, there's going to be one on mining justice, there's going to be one on water, there's going to be one on public services, on health, you know, education and students. So these are opportunities for everyone to come together and have a strategic three-hour, really long meeting to actually try to come up with some common actions and common agenda to move forward with. And so this is really kind of like a synthesizing moment. But also on Saturday, there's going to be a powwow. So those that don't necessarily want to be, in a sense, directing movements or involved in that level will have a powwow to go to. There's going to be a lot of arts and cultural events throughout the forum. We've booked Spark Street, which is a pedestrian street close to Parliament Hill. And so, for example, after the big march on Thursday, we're going to have a huge party on Spark Street, which should be really fun in concert. And then on the last day, on Sunday, it's going to be a short day. We're going to end by joining Pride around 1 o'clock. Ottawa Pride just happens to be at the same time, so we'll join their march. But we're going to have an all-movements assembly where people will come together and try to kind of synthesize the report backs from all the various movement assemblies and try to move forward as an even larger group. And one thing Sekiro didn't mention is there's going to be an alternative media center at the social forum. So bringing together a whole lot of people who will be reporting on the social forum and all the different aspects of it. And Sekiro has been the main organizer of that. There was a recent media boot camp in Ottawa with maybe 30 or 40 people to prepare for that. There'll be live streaming, I think. There'll be a daily newspaper put out. There'll be an ongoing radio broadcast on the local community radio. So a chance, really, even if people aren't in Ottawa, August 21 to 24, this will be a way to stay in touch or find out what's going on. In the early 2000s, I guess it was like 2003, there was the Toronto Social Forum. I was living in southwestern Ontario at the time. There were three of them in three months, and I participated in that, and the group I was with, the Independent Media Centre, put on a couple of workshops. And not a whole lot came out of that. It was just a gathering, and people shared and learned from each other, but nothing really organized came out of that. 
So I think this time, like I said, with the goal of this four-day gathering is really to build a base through which further action and organizing can come out of. And I think really, like, we aren't very well organized in Canada in terms of activism or social movements when you compare with some other places around the world. And I think that's why this is really necessary, is that it's a chance for a lot of people to come together and build some kind of strategic planning and coordinated action. So I think that the movement assemblies are really the central part of that, if we're using this as a chance to build to the future as opposed to just to gather and meet each other and that kind of thing. So like I said, I'm a member of IPSO, the Indigenous People's Solidarity Movement of Ottawa. And as a group, we're leading the coordination of the Indigenous Solidarity Assembly, which I haven't really been involved with, but is bringing, I think there's maybe about 10 different groups. I think the majority might be from Ottawa, but then also from Vancouver and from up north and elsewhere. And that got me thinking, with my interest and background in media, to help start a movement assembly on alternative media. So that's my main involvement right now, is helping to coordinate that. We've been meeting, I don't know, it's been maybe a couple months at least. The movement assemblies are about three hours each. So we're trying to see how we can best organize that in order to build a base that we can move forward with. One thing with the movement assembly on alternative media, we've come up with five main themes that we want to address in the assembly. And I'll just give a list of those. Incorporating anti-oppressive, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial principles into media organizing and making building leadership of marginalized communities within our media organizations, building organizational capacity and networks and exploring different organizational models for media activism, interrogating our role as journalists or media makers and the issues associated with news coverage, and finally, looking at ways to support independent or non-affiliated journalists and media makers in addressing and overcoming the various challenges in their work. So that's kind of what the Movement Assembly will be addressing. And it's a good opportunity with so many media organizations that don't really work together, but are all kind of working towards roughly the same goals and have a lot of the same challenges, that we can figure out collective ways to address them and support each other. So just as part of that, we've also identified all the workshops that are about media. So the workshops are mainly on the Thursday and Friday, and the Movement Assemblies are on Saturday. And I think there's maybe 25 or 30 workshops to do with media, various aspects of that. And we identified a few areas that weren't covered, so we made sure to organize a few more workshops on different aspects of media. Sakura has already kind of answered this question in talking about the different caucuses that exist in the, the national level of the organizing. But I'd be interested in hearing more at the respective parts of the organizing that you're each involved with of the ways in which the organizing is trying to address the ways in which so many things that happen in our movements these days can talk a good line in terms of responding to the needs and experiences and politics of people who are marginalized in one way or another, but often don't do a very good job of doing that in practice. So what's being done in the organizing at different levels to try and counter that tendency? The caucus structure is a really good way of keeping everybody in check. They have regular meetings and, you know, for example, there is a lot of stuff that was being put out that really emphasized Canada, Quebec First Nations, but wasn't really emphasizing the role of people of color in organizing. And so the People of Color Caucus put out a statement and we started checking in more about all the media that we were putting out as a group, you know, just to make sure that it's reflective and not just kind of a random assortment, which ends up defaulting to a dominance of white men. I would say that the solidarity budget is something that's very concrete that we've done. 
The People's Social Forum has dedicated 10% of its budget to ensure the participation of largely Native people and people of color to be able to fully participate in the forum and also set aside a pretty good chunk of that for the inclusion and full participation of people with disabilities. I think that that's something that's very concrete, that that commitment was made at those very, very early meetings, you know, putting a dollar sign amount on it, or at least a percentage of the overall budget, which I think is really important. And yeah, I think that it was just a beautiful move of the original People's Caucus to really assert that they wanted real representation, not tokenism. And that meant being able to hire one of the coordinators. And I think that that has really played a huge role because it's who does the work that ends up determining what gets represented. The way I see that is that really it's about structuring that anti-oppression, that inclusivity into how things are organized. In terms of the Alternative Media Assembly, we're still looking at how the format of the assembly will go and to see what's the best structure that we can really make sure that that's addressed. The way it's been done so far is that we've just really tried to use, use our networks and use contacts that we have to really get the word out that people know about this and feel free to participate and provide input. And we've been really trying to solicit people's priorities in terms of how we got the five themes that I mentioned earlier that we're trying to address. So I think outreach is a really big thing and finding out what's important to people and structure. One of the things that is inevitable with an event of this size is that no matter how grassroots it is, no matter how distributed the organizing, it still takes money and it still probably takes participation from established organizations. Tell me a little bit about the kinds of fundraising work that has happened as part of the process and about the partnerships that exist with other existing movement and movement-related organizations. I would say that a large amount of the funding has come from unions. And especially, I would say almost Quebec unions have put in equal parts to unions in the rest of Canada combined, which I find really interesting. You know, I was talking to one of the union reps, and I really appreciate that lots of the union people that are working on this are really great people. They're the people within unions that are actually, you know, really care about social justice on a broader level. And it really seems like there's this culture in Quebec of really seeing social movements as strengthening the labor movement. I think that that's a really like healthy perspective that I hope to spread throughout the rest of Canada more. But I would say that they put in the majority of money. There's been some money that's been put in by different foundations. Though in Canada, unlike the U.S., we don't have a very robust grouping of foundations. But for example, like Fredonia put in some money to ensure that youth of color and native youth were able to fully participate in the forum and that there would be a coordinator for that hired so that it can be more than just paying for them to get there, but that there would be someone kind of coordinating activities to make sure that relationships are built between those two groups of people and that there's a little bit more cohesiveness in that strategy. Also, a large portion of our funds are actually coming from the participants we've made it really accessible. $35. And that, of course, was a particularly inopportune moment for the recording to fade out. Saunders was saying that the base registration fee at this point is $35 per person. $15 for low income. And, you know, when you're talking about a conference that, you know, we're hoping to get at least 5,000 people pre-registering for it, you know, we're really relying on that, actually, for a lot of our budget. And we've had over 2,000 pre-registrations so far, and we're three weeks until the forum, so we think that's pretty good. And just anyone listening out there, we actually do need that. 
or if you have extra money to spare, $50 for a solidarity registration to help put more money towards our solidarity budget towards mobilizing people here. And just to add, with IPSMA that I'm a part of and other groups locally, we've been trying to hold events in the lead-up to the social forum to really raise awareness locally, also do a bit of fundraising. But I think a large portion of the people who will be at the forum will be from Ottawa. And so having multiple opportunities for people to find out about it and participate in lead-up activities, I think is important. And I know that during the media boot camp, there was a live stream panel. And one of the things I picked up from that they were talking about with the U.S. Social Forum and the World Social Forum is that these gatherings have been opportunities to really build local projects and local infrastructure and leave something that's lasting in the local community where it's happening. So I think with the local participation, it's really important that people feel they can get involved and see what's going on locally and what can be built locally. Because it's a really great opportunity for Ottawa as well as on a national level. So all the way back to the days of the first World Social Forum in Porto Alegre, there have always been voices from within popular movements that have had some reservations and some criticisms of the social forum model as a way of mobilizing people. What do the two of you think are some of the limitations of this approach to bringing people together? You know, honestly, I've tried to eke out an actual criticism that's founded by people that have been detracting from the People's Social Forum. But I found a lot of the criticisms to be really ill-informed and based on a very hyperinflated role of maybe one of the you know, hundreds of organizations that are participating in this forum. I would say that it's definitely going to be messy in a way. You know, there's going to be so much happening all at once. I mean, obviously, of the World Social Forum, there's a criticism that it's imposed on various communities and it's not necessarily bottom-up. But I think that within Canada, it's been a multi-year process to get this thing off the ground. And, you know, all the organizations that are working on this are from Canada. and They're not from outside some, like, World Social Forum Central Committee. So, yeah, I don't know. I would like to hear criticisms and then I could respond to them. One thing I've heard is about the different politics of people who are coming together, however you want to define more or less radical. But I think bringing people together who have different political analysis and seeing can you really work together or what kind of politics will dominate, say, the movement assemblies, where are people coming from? I think that's just one thing to keep in mind and wondering how it's going to work. Another thing I think, even though it's been a multi-year process, it feels rushed. I know when we were looking at the movement assemblies, how to organize it, the model was partly coming from the U.S. Social Forum, and they had a full-day movement assembly in advance of the Social Forum to prepare for the movement assembly at the Social Forum. At least that's my understanding. And I know there's been the Climate Justice Movement Assembly held in Montreal maybe a month or two ago, but I think most of the movement assemblies are just going to be the three hours. I think that's a limitation in terms of how much can you really plan and discuss and really flesh out ideas in just a three-hour thing. I think building organizing in communities on a local level is really where the strength of things is. So can this big national gathering foster local community organizing all over the country, as well as coordinating between localities, I think that would be something too. So when the two of you think of the upcoming forum, think of the event itself, what aspect of those four days excite you the most? Are you most anticipating? To start with, there are a lot of workshops that look really interesting and really useful. Like Secure saying, there's like 500 of them. And then the Mute Movement Assemblies 
with my involvement, I'm looking forward. There's the Indigenous Solidarity Assembly in the in the morning on Saturday, and the Alternative Media Movement Assembly in the afternoon. So that's really what I'm excited about. And something else I thought of is that with the expansion committees in all these different cities, and with everyone coming together, I think it's kind of like setting up an infrastructure. And if it can continue to be active and used, I think it is a really big organizing opportunity with all these connections that get made and hopefully these things rooted in all these different communities that are connected with each other and are working together in different ways. For me, I'm really excited about all these people organizing and finding each other. I'm really excited about the actions that are going to be taking place. There's going to be like a lot of different actions. I'm just really wanting a situation where people feel really empowered where people can take an idea and voice it and get support for that idea in front of a lot of people. I'm just excited for people to find each other and to be re-inspired to work hard and have a little bit more faith that there's enough people that we can actually get stuff done. You know, with the Toronto Expansion Committee, I've met people that have come out of the woodwork and they haven't organized really since the Harris years. And for the benefit of non-Ontarians, Harris was a right-wing premier of Ontario in the late 1990s, and there was an extensive social movement mobilization against his government. And maybe they came out to the Occupy March, maybe they came out to whatever, but this is something new where we can come together and it's giving hope to a lot of people. And so I just really, my hope is that people get reinvigorated and find people that they need to work with to make some change. And for me, I would say that you know, the social forum, which again is happening on the 21st through the 24th of August, is a structure and event that's ideal for finding people that are on the same page as you and working with them to make change. And I think that everyone is guaranteed to have their mind blown at least once a day. And there's plenty of opportunities for networking, for building skills. There's many workshops that are really focused on just training and teaching new activists how to do things, how to do social media, how to do nation builder, how to do, you know, actions, how to do banner making, like everything, activist songwriting, you know, everything single how do you can imagine. So I just really encourage people to not only come, but to bring their friends, bring their siblings. This is not just for the people that are really embedded in the movements already, though there's plenty of movement building that will take place for those types. But this is an amazing entry point for people that have never, ever been active before to find people and to get active because we need everyone on board. You have been listening to my interview with Sakura Saunders and Greg McDougall. We've been talking about the massive People's Social Forum that's happening from August 21st to 24th in Ottawa. To learn more about the incredible array of workshops, assemblies, events, and actions that will be part of the People's Social Forum, or to register to attend, go to peoplessocialforum.org. That's peoplessocialforum.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>